Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to part two of the July 4th weekend mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag with my long-lost brother, Juan Moya. And Juan says, question for the very big deal, Chris Nimbley. Does Bam Bam ride it out with Harrison at center as the starter this year, or does he bring in a guy after cuts? So since he said that was directed to you, I'll let you answer that in a second. But he also had a question for who he called the whole effing show. That's me, apparently. How <laughs> confident are you that Bischoff and Heyman are going to be able to fix WWE programming? Should they bring back shows like the one where they had it on the USS Intrepid, where Yoko was body slammed by Lex Luger? So second part of that, yes, they should totally bring back shows like that because they were fun and they were different. And I remember that everybody thought it was awesome awesome when Lex Luger body slam Yokozuna. The other part of that question, how much faith do I have in Heyman and Bischoff? Well, I don't have a lot of faith in Bischoff. I think he got exposed in TNA. Heyman, I have plenty of faith in. He's shown over the years that he has the ability to adapt to whatever era he's in. He's had excellent booking all the way through. Now, we could sit here and nitpick some of the booking he's done, but I'm saying in an overall sense, he's really adapted with the times. However, I see this being a situation like it always is with Vince McMahon where he's going to eventually assert power once he starts to see things he doesn't like or doesn't agree with because ultimately it's his company. We saw it the last time that Heyman was working there and I think that that's what's going to happen with Heyman. I think with Bischoff it's just not going to be any good because Bischoff's simply not that great a creative wrestling mind but with Heyman I think it's going to be a matter of time before Vince starts to put his hands in the cookie jar so to speak and block whatever Heyman's doing if it's stuff that Vince doesn't like. And now, Chris, you can answer the Harrison question. All right. Well, I'm just going to simply say yes to both that. Uh, (laughs) Because I I do expect Jonathan Harrison will be the starting center. But I, regardless, uh, Joe Douglas is going to look to scour the training camp cuts and try to bring in another center. I just don't think that he'll be able to find somebody who will be better than Jonathan Harrison. So he, he's talked about how he knows this offensive line needs more depth. So he's going to scour those training camp cuts. He is going to bring in other offensive linemen, and I would think he would definitely make a point to make sure that he gets a backup center in here. I don't think that he's going to be able to find somebody that they're going to be more comfortable just plugging in and starting over Jonathan Harrison, though. So I think he's probably going to be comfortable rolling with Harrison as the starting guy this year but he is definitely going to look to bring in some depth there. And then if Harrison struggles, then we could see a switch being made. Next question comes in from Sean Stalker. He says, happy 4th of July to Scott and the very big deal, Chris Nimbley. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I like the improvements the team made despite the weird way it all happened. What area do you see having the biggest improvement this season? Coaching staff, overall roster, or Sam's quarterback play? 
Also, if you can only pick one at a barbecue, do you want a hamburger or a hot dog? So first of all, I can't believe my manners. I forgot to also say I hope you had a great 4th of July, Sean. So I hope that it was everything that you wanted it to be. Give me a hamburger over a hot dog any day of the week. I love both, but if I have to choose one, absolutely, it's going to be a hamburger. As far as the area where I expect the most improvement, I think you nailed it. Sam's quarterback play. He went from a nervous rookie who had moments where he was good, moments where he was okay, and then moments where he was outright bad. And then at the end of the season, those last four games, he was excellent. I expect a lot more along the lines of what we saw those last four games. As I told Paul Esten, Boy Green, on his podcast, The Jet Zone, I think that Darnold has a chance to be a borderline pro bowler this year. We'll see if that bears out, but if it does, then the Jets will have a chance at the playoffs. So that's my answer there. I think that the area they'll be most improved is at quarterback. What do you think, Chris? And also, hamburger or hot dog? All right, I'll start with the hamburger or hot dog. If I know who's cooking it, I'm going hamburger. If I don't know who's cooking it, I, I might be tempted to go with a hot dog, mm-hmm. just just because I, I I've had some burgers at barbe- or barbecues that uh, uh it wasn't too great, so uh, they either get burnt <laughs> or not cooked enough, so it depends there. But if uh, if I know and trust the person doing the grilling, I'm going with a burger. As far as the most approved part thing, really the answer is all of them. I mean, you look at this roster right now. And yes, there's still a lot of holes there, but just on the playmaker side of things, just having Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder, just that enough alone, obviously not having Spencer Long here anymore, having a center that can actually snap the ball. We'll see how good Jonathan Harrison is, but I don't anticipate him snapping the ball 20 yards away from Darnold to let you assembly there. Obviously, the cornerback situation is, is a bit of a mess, but it was last year. And then... As, as a whole, obviously, I've been saying this. I'm not a, a, a huge believer in Gase as a coach, but on an, from a strictly offensive standpoint, you got to think that the offensive coaching will be better under Gase than it was under Bulls. But I'm with you. The biggest, the most improved part will be Sam Darnold. I just think the consistency, we're going to see uh, less ups and downs and more of just consistent good play. He's going to have his struggles at times still. Second year, he's still super young. But I think that'll be a much smoother year, and I think that's what's going to stand out the most. So the answer is a little bit of everything, but I'm going with Darnold as the most. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com.
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Anthony Siglitano. He says, Scott, what's wrong with you? How could you possibly prefer drums over flats? I told you, Anthony, it's all about convenience. I don't like the idea of having to rip the bones open or having to poke anything. With a drum, you just take it in your hand and you get your bites in and that's it. With the flats, there's extra steps involved, so that's pretty much all there is to it for me. That's why I prefer the drums. I know that Chris has said he prefers flats unless you get a perfect drum, but as Chris noted, and this is a fair criticism, it's very rare that you get a perfect drum. How many times have you bitten into a drum and you're like, where's the meat on this? Or like, are you are you go to bite it and then there's this like knot in it or something? So like, I I understand the convenience part, but also I kind of don't because it goes back and forth. And this is again the the flats just just punch your fingers through, rip it out, and then you got it. That's gonna work every single time. Next question comes in from Matt Diner. Funny that we would get a guy named Matt Diner after talking about chicken wings. He says Quincy Nunwa over under ten plays per game this season. I'm going to go under on Quincy Inunua. I just think there are too many people to spread the ball around to that he would get 10 plays per game. Chris, what do you think about the over-under with Quincy 10 plays a game? Yeah, I mean, I, that that's a lot. That's tough. And then even if we're just assuming that he's going to be healthy for all those games are enough, that that's a lot. I could see him, you know, 10. That's, that's just a little too much. Put that down at like seven, seven and a half. And maybe I think about trying to sneak in a a surprise over, but 10 is too much. Not with Robbie, Herndon, Le'Veon, Crowder. There's just too many other targets there. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is a really interesting question that I haven't thought about from Thomas Arnone. He says, do you expect Bam Bam and the Jets to be players in this year's supplemental draft? The wide receiver Sims is an intriguing player, and I saw a couple of secondary players declare. I'm going to be honest. I don't know enough about the guys in the supplemental draft to tell you whether they're good enough or not to potentially risk draft picks, but I 100% believe that Bam Bam Douglas will look into this, and if there are guys that he likes, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he takes a swing or two. He seems like somebody that will improve the team in any way that he can, and certainly the supplemental draft is a way that he could potentially improve the team. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and... uh be completely honest too this happens to me every single year it's i'm sitting here and i'm enjoying the time off and then i see a tweet or something and it's like oh yeah supplemental draft is right around the corner and then i see it when i first see it i go i'm not looking into this now so i haven't looked into any of the players who are going to be available you know is there any need there 
how good are these players. I haven't done that yet. I will probably do that like right around the start of training camp when I come home after a long day of being out in the heat, and then I just kind of sitting there. Uh, and then I'll probably look into that a little bit more. But I absolutely, if there's somebody that Joe Douglas deems worthy of being taken in those spots, he will absolutely do it. I have no doubt about that. If he sees somebody that he thinks can help this team now or that they can at least develop and then get a head start on helping this team next year, he will take it if he thinks it's worth it. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody that will be worth it yet. We'll have to wait and see. I'll, I'll look into that probably, like I said, this towards the start of training camp. But if, if he believes somebody's there, he will absolutely do that. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question or series of questions comes in from John Flesh. He says, which Jet do you predict will have the biggest impact in fantasy football this season? And who is your fantasy sleeper pick on the Jets this season? So we'll start with those and then we'll move on from there. I think the Jet that will have the biggest impact in fantasy football this season is going to be Le'Veon Bell. I don't think there's any question about it. Who is the fantasy sleeper pick on the Jets this season? I'm going to say that it could be Jamison Crowder. They're going to spread the ball around, but I have a feeling that Crowder is going to be one of Donald's preferred targets, and he's such a great fit in the Gase offense that he might be a guy worth taking at the very end of a draft if you have a deep league. So those are my two answers. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I'm going to be boring and give the same answers. And I think Le'Veon, I mean, obviously it will depend on your league. If you're in a league with a whole bunch of Jets fans, then you might not be able to get Le'Veon for quite the same value. But if you're in a league with everybody else, I think that Le'Veon's going to slip further than he should in a lot of drafts. People are going to think that he's not going to be performing as well after the year off and then moving to the Jets. But he's going to get so many touches in the receiving game, I believe, and in all different ways that I think he's going to be super valuable. And I think Robbie Anderson will be more valuable than people expect to. I've been talking about this over and over again, Rob, the best uh, the player who is most positively affected by Adam Gase being here is going to be Robbie Anderson. But the sneaky pick is, is got to be, I, I don't think Herndon can even count as a sneaky pick. And I, I am a little worried about how uh, Gase will use him too, but it's got to be Jameson Crowder, especially if you're in a PPR, because I don't know that he's going to put up crazy yards, but he's going to get a lot of touches. Like, he's going to get a lot of catches, and then he can get those yak afterwards, too. So, But even if he only has, you know, 40 yards in one game, he might get eight or nine catches and a touchdown in that game. So I think he'll he's not somebody who's going to be, you know, carrying the team, but he, I think he'll be able to give you a solid 8 to 10, 12 points almost every week. 
Next question John has is, which current or past jet would you bet on to win the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? This is going to be an old one, but going back to the early 1990s, there was an offensive lineman on the Jets named Sapili Malamala. He was a massive, gigantic man, and I have to imagine that he could out-eat anybody that's ever been a Jet. My backup answer would probably be Chris Jenkins because he's also incredibly gigantic. I think he was like 330, 340 pounds when he was playing nose tackle. Might have even been heavier than that. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, Chris Jenkins is a good one. Uh, you know, there's a bunch. Obviously, we're going to be going offensive, defensive line here with, with all of these. Um, you know, you could you'd go with Mangold. Uh, you know, uh, somebody who else I'll throw out there is uh, Sione Puha. Mm. I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, you know, how can you, I also got to give this guy a, a, an honorable mention just because of his nickname? You can't, you can't not give an honorable mention to a guy nicknamed Snacks. So Damon Harrison's got to be mentioned too. That's definitely true. The man's nickname is Snacks for a reason. John continues. Who are your projected starters on the offensive line this season? Any names to watch during camp who may push for significant time on the offensive line? Can we expect Winters to bounce back from his injury marred subpar 2018 season? So these are all offensive line questions. Start with the first one. I think the projected starters is pretty much exactly what you see right now, which is Harrison at center. Beecham and Shelt the two tackles, and then Winters and Assembly at guard. I don't think there's really any challenge to those guys, barring injury. We talked about Adoga before, but Chris, you and I agree that I don't think he's going to win the job right off the bat. Before I get into the other two, why don't you let me know if you agree on that? Yeah, it's a boring answer, but it's just like you said, that it's going to be those guys projected right now. If there's one person that I could see surprising us all and then filling in the role there i i would go with chuma doga but i i think he's got the the raw talent to possibly do it but it's going to take him a little bit of development to get there so i it's, it's going to be uh, shell beats him on the outside suddenly in winters and harrison on the inside there it's really hard to see one of them being uh, you know benched for somebody else an injury will obviously affect it but um, I'm not ready to say that Adoga is going to be taking anybody's spot there. As far as offensive linemen to watch in camp, I think our answer would be the same, that it would have to be Adoga, right? I don't think anybody else there is any real threat. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brent Qualley, I've, I've seen enough of him. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to be paying too much attention to him right there. It's Adoga that is going to really be the guy I'm focusing on. Obviously, I'll watch everybody else, see if somebody else surprises me. Maybe Ben Braden, who had a couple moments here and there last year at the training camp. Maybe he steps up this year. But Adoga is going to be the guy that I'm watching most closely to see if he can uh, take that that leap or to be ready or just to see if he's close to, you know, just another year of development and it looks like he could do it next year. I'm going to be watching him real closely. Tom Compton has starting experience, but he is what he is at this point, a journeyman, and I don't expect him to play at all unless somebody gets hurt. As far as Winters and whether he can rebound, I think he'll be okay if he can stay healthy. He's never really been anything more than okay. There are moments where he looks really good and he's making these mauling blocks and then other moments where he looks lost. 
I think if he stays healthy overall, he should be eh, around average or so, maybe, maybe a little below average, maybe a little above average, but probably right around that middle of the road part if he can stay healthy. Yeah, same thing there. And I would say that if Adoga is going to snatch up a position on that starting line, it would probably be at the guard and taking winter spot. That's the most vulnerable position right there. I agree with you. I think he'll be fine as long as he can stay healthy, and he's still going to have a couple of plays, um, you know, a game where he just absolutely mauls the guy in front of him, but he's still going to get beat as well. Uh, he is pretty much right around an average guy with some some high moments and some low moments. So um, that's definitely an area that the Jets are going, going to need to address to try to improve going forward. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Jack McAnally. He says, if Leonard Williams has his best year ever, but one of the younger guys also shows promise, does Bam Bam Douglas re-sign Leo to a big deal or free up cap space? Also, Scott, I heard you say recently on a podcast that you hate mispronouncing names. So FYI, MC followed by a vowel is pronounced Mac, not Mick. Hashtag just don't call me late for dinner. Well, I did just call you John McAnally, so consider that lesson learned, John. As far as the first part of the question, if Leonard Williams has an excellent season, I think they would bring him back or at the very least franchise tag him and trade him. As far as if somebody shows promise and they decide to go with that guy over Leo, if Leo plays really great again, I think they would franchise tag him and trade him before they would just let him walk. And it depends on how much promise we're talking about here. If somebody just does a little bit better than they have before, like for instance, if Foley Fadakasi actually manages to get off the bench, or if Nathan Shepard doesn't look lost half the time, that would be promise in my eyes. But if they step up and are really, really good, and it looks like the Jets might have a super cheap rookie for the next two years that can give you what Leonard Williams can for a fraction of the price, maybe they would franchise tag and trade Leo if Leo has a great year. But I think if Leo has an excellent season, there's no way that the Jets are just going to let him walk for free. Yeah, I'll go a step further here. If Leo has a great season, they will sign him to an extension, and that'll be that. And it, it doesn't matter what everybody else does because – they can have other guys break out there, but I, it's not good. If they like Leo, they like what they've seen from him so far. They like everything about him. He loves the area here. I don't think he's going to be pushing for every last cent he can get. If he has an excellent season here, they will bring him back. And if other people have an excellent season along with them, then come along. Because we know Quinton Williams isn't going to have to get paid for a while. And Nathan Shepard or Folo Fatukasi wouldn't have to get paid for a while, for a little bit anyway. And even if they were to have great seasons, I don't think that they would. I'd probably think they'd say, well, let's hold up and let's see if they can do it again for another year. I think that the Leo question is going to come down to his game and only his game. Uh, to determine it. If he, if he plays well enough that they want him back and he has next season, that will be the case, uh, then that's going to be it. It's going to be that simple. Next question comes in from Tim who says, why isn't Quinn and Williams signed yet? What's going on? What's the holdup? Isn't his contract slotted? What could be the problem here? I know we had an issue with Sam Darnold in the offsets last year. Would you have a similar situation with a non-quarterback? Should we start to get worried? Chris, I don't know if you have any information on this. All I will say is 
I'm not worried about it just yet. But once they start to get in a training camp, if he doesn't have a contract, then I might start to wonder a little bit. They've got a couple more weeks to get this done, and it's still not necessarily the end of the world if he misses a practice or two like Sam Darnold did last year. But I'm hoping that they can get this done by the end of the month when training camp starts. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I completely forgot that he hasn't signed yet um, because I'm not really paying too much attention right now uh, with this time off. But if it's not if it's not done by training camp, then you can start to get a teeny, teeny, tiny bit nervous about it. But I, even then, uh, you know, what checking day is on a Wednesday, first practice is Thursday. If it's not done by that Sunday, then you can start getting a little nervous. But I fully expect it to. I don't think uh, Joe Douglas is going to mess around too much here. What the holdup is, though, is one or two things. It's either offset language uh, or talking about, you know, what they can void uh, the contract for, whether it's, you know, if he fails a drug test, can they void or if he gets trouble off, which I don't think is anything you're going to have to worry about with with him. But agents don't do this stuff with just a, a specific player in mind. They want all their players to get this stuff. So they don't want anything in there that they could, a player could uh, have his contract voided for failing a drug test or for getting in trouble off the field or for anything like that. They, they want to have that for all of their clients. The other thing could just be a simple disagreement about how to pay the guarantees, how much upfront uh, guarantee money and the signing bonus, how is that spread out? Those are the two things that really hold up contracts for these rookies now. So it's it's just going to be a little back and forth, but they'll, they'll end up getting it done. I, I feel confident that they'll most likely get it done before training camp and definitely by the end of that first weekend of camp, if not before. Next question comes in from Jack McAnally. I wonder if he's related to John. Are you guys brothers, or is this just some sort of elaborate prank? He says, what do you predict the Jets' record to be this year? Mark Sanchez said 13-3, and but I don't believe it. Yeah, neither do wow. I. Also, do you think the offensive line will be able to hold their own? I think the offensive line, best-case scenario, could be okay. I just don't think they're that talented. There have been a lot of injuries, and I think their ceiling is to be middle of the pack at best, and I wouldn't really bet on that. I think most likely they'll probably be about 20th or so if everybody stays healthy, which, listen, is not the worst thing in the world considering that Sam Darnold is the prize asset, and their biggest weakness is run blocking, not pass blocking. It's not ideal, but if they can at least give Darnold some time to throw without letting him get killed... I think Le'Veon Bell will figure out ways to make an impact. Again, not ideal. You'd prefer them to be better, and I expect Joe Douglas to make some moves in the offseason to upgrade. But for now, I think that's probably what you're looking at. As far as the Jets' record, I've said this before. I think most likely you're looking at about 7-9. and nine. There are some things that could swing it a game or two to make it 9-7 and seven and get them into real playoff contention. But I think 7-9 and nine, with them still being alive and at least in the hunt going into December is about what you're looking at, barring some sort of catastrophic injury. Yeah, for the record, I'm going to say uh, I like the enthusiasm, Mark, but uh, I'm not going to go that far with 13-3. and three seems a bit crazy. I'm going to say that they're going to go either between somewhere between 9 and 7 and 7 and 9. I'm going to go with the actually bullish uh, one there and go with 9 and 7. I think 
just having a new coach come in here get that first year coach boost uh darnold coming into a second year but an entirely new system i think that 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 can work for their advantage and so i'll go with a nine seven prediction here the offensive line i think the offensive line will be pretty much exactly what it was last year, which is not good, but as will also be kind of masked how bad they are because of Sam Darnold. That's the best thing this offensive line has going for him. Sam is really good at moving around in the pocket and escaping away from pressure, getting rolling out and using his legs to buy a little more time. So I think that will help them a little bit too and make it not quite as not look as bad as they actually are. Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He says, if you could construct a Mount Rushmore type tribute to four players, Namath is already there. Who do you got? Mine is Namath, Gastineau, Revis, and Wesley Walker. So hard to do, so I went with who means the most to me. Gus, if you really want the answer to this question, go back into our archives. Chris and I did a special show right around President's Day where we did our Mount Rushmore for the Jets, and that's where all of our answers are. We did one for the offense and for the defense, so it's in our archives. Again, it was a special President's Day Mount Rushmore edition, and you can find our answers there. Chris, this last mailbag question comes in from Scott M. He says, what's the deal, Nimbly? Are we going to some Nets games this year now that they've got Kyrie Irving? <laughs> I was going to say Scott M. Hmm? <laughs> hey, I'm down to go check out a game or two with Kyrie Irving. Uh, gonna gonna hold off on uh, going to see a whole bunch of them until KD gets back. But you know, I I've been trying to go out to go see some Brooklyn Nets games, but Brooklyn is just such a pain for me to get to from Jersey. But Ky- Kyrie will be worth it uh, just to watch. He's just such a fun player to watch. And then once KD comes back, then yeah, yeah once once he's there, I would definitely be going to a whole bunch of Brooklyn uh, games there. So we can absolutely plan some stuff out there. I'm with you on that. I think that we should do some games. You, me, Joe Blewett, the true Nets fans. That'll be a fun time, I think. We'll go to a handful of games, and then, like you said, once Katie is in town, then we'll really get going. Last thing I want to ask you about, Chris, what is going on with the U.S. women's soccer team? Because I have no idea. I don't watch this. I saw the thing with Alex Morgan doing the tea sipping. Where do we stand with the women's soccer team? They're in the championship now? Is this the World Cup? What event is this? Yes, this is the Women's World Cup. They're okay. in the finals uh, tomorrow. I believe it's at 11.30, 10.30 or 11.30. And we stand with they are being awesome. And everybody around here stands these women. These women, uh, they are just so awesome. And they're a lot of fun to watch. They're, these women, and not just them, but a lot of these other countries are really skilled. And it, this, I've had a lot of fun watching this Women's World Cup. And I haven't just been watching the Americans, too. I've watched them most of the matches, and it is a lot of fun. They, they have been absolutely great, and they're just so much fun. They have, they have a lot of fun, the tea cele- uh, uh, sipping celebration. Uh, they, they enjoy themselves out there, and it's really hard not to root for these women. So over the weekend, it looks like my assignment is to watch episodes of Deadwood. Chris's is to continue to be a huge fan and supporter of the U.S. women's soccer team who is in the finals of the Women's World Cup. So we'll see if they end up winning, but I have a feeling I'm definitely going to end up winning 
by enjoying some episodes of Deadwood. Chris, again, thank you so much for joining me on this weekend mailbag, July 4th weekend edition. For anybody that is unaware of what you may have up at JetsInsider.com, you or your deputy editor, who's also the producer of this podcast, Alan Schechter, why don't you go ahead and let him know? Yeah, you can find our work at JetsInsider.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. And I've been enjoying my vacation a little bit too much. So, uh, this week I will start pumping out some more articles talking about uh, position battles and stuff along those lines. So I will finally get to doing some of that work. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly or at Jets Insider. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.